Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but in bite-sized segments of time. Hence the name PT Snacks. And today's topic, we are going to be covering posterior tibialis tendinopathy, which is a tricky subject to talk over because you might have seen names similar to this. Um, Sometimes it's called posterior tibial tendon dysfunction or progressive collapse foot deformity. Um, But the thing is that these are slightly different things for the same muscle and tendon complex. And so that's something important to consider when you are looking through research because these names are not necessarily interchangeable, but sometimes they're used in that way. So what we're talking about today is specifically a tendon pathology caused from overuse. So when we're talking about the posterior tibialis, this is a muscle that's in the deep posterior complex of the leg. So as a little anatomy review, it arises from the interosseous membrane and then the adjacent fibula and tibia, so right up in that area. But then when it gets to the distal third of the leg, that turns into a tendon that passes behind the medial malleolus within a synovial sheath. And then this synovial sheath passes underneath the flexor retinaculum. So where this travels, it inserts primarily on the navicular tuberosity, but there are multiple divisions that attach to the cuneiforms and the bases of the second, third, and fourth metatarsals. So with this muscle, its job is basically to help with inversion and planar flexion, and it also aids in stabilizing the medial longitudinal arch of the foot. And so as you can see, if part of its job is to stabilize one of the arches of our feet, we see in a, a lot of research descriptions on dysfunction of this because it is no longer helping with the arch of the foot and therefore causing flat foot deformity. So this is why we see the terms progressive collapsing foot deformity. Now, there are a lot of causes or potential causes for this, some that we feel we have a good understanding over and some that we don't, and that's just because the human body is very complex and it's multifactorial. But for today's purpose, today's topic, what we're talking about is more of an overuse injury. So whether with these patients, they've had a rapid increase in activity that is involving the posterior tibialis, or maybe they were working out, they took a break, they went back to prior level of function, and their body just wasn't really ready for that. Either way, we're looking at an injury that has caused from repetitive stress to a tissue that was not quite ready to go through that stress. And so our job as a physical therapist is basically to try and meet the body where it's at and make sure that we are giving this tissue, this tendon in this case, the rest that it needs, but also the capacity to be able to eventually build towards the stress that we want to give it. So hence the term active rest, meaning these patients are not on bed rest, but we need to make sure that we are not reinforcing the pain cycle and the dysfunctional healing process, but making it um, where these patients are able to go back to where they want to be. So who are these patients? These patients, a lot of times in research, are are middle-aged females, maybe with a higher BMI, 
But again, this is also included in research on like flat foot deformity and posterior tibial tendon function. But still something to keep in mind is if you are seeing this patient, we also see this in terms of sports and ballet dancers, ice skaters, and sprinters who have to run on tight bends. Um, it is a tissue that is often under underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, which makes sense with the type of research that we see, um, but can live on a spectrum from a disordered tendon to a rupture, uh, which obviously none of it's ideal, but the sooner that we're able to catch this, the sooner we're able to bring it towards the end of the spectrum that is easier to heal rather than something that involves surgery typically. So this, the patient that's going to come in like this may complain of pain on the medial side of the midfoot to rear foot and or in the ankle. They may be tender to palpation along where the tendon would run. Um, with tendons, here's the thing if it's some sort of tendonitis, tendinosis, the higher the load on the tendon, the more it's going to hurt. So not even just, hey, increasing the amount of weight that we are having them push into, but also increasing the stress like with higher and higher plyometrics, essentially. Swelling is also listed as a potential uh, finding with this type of injury. Um, maybe, maybe not. I think it depends on where you are in that spectrum as well. And then also one of the most reliable tests, according to a paper in the JOSPT, was difficulty with performing a single leg heel raise. So something that would be excellent to include in your evaluation of these patients. So in terms of other tools that are used to diagnose these, imaging is an often one. MRIs can be used to see if there's inflammation in this area or just to basically check out how that tendon is doing. Um, X-ray, obviously kind of hard to see the tendon, right? Um, but it can be used to rule out other things that might be more serious for pain in this area. Um, ultrasound imaging for musculoskeletal is a um, form of imaging that we are starting to see more and more in physical therapy, which is pretty cool. Um, but the same paper that I quoted before, the JOSPT paper, suggests that maybe it can't be used to diagnose tendinopathy on its own. However, you can use this to detect grayscale tendon changes um, like hypoechogenicity and fibrillar disruption. Say that five times fast. Um, but in a study done in 2020 by Mills et al., they did ultrasound imaging of the tibialis posterior tendon, um, and half of the patients had tendon changes that showed up on their ultrasound, but they didn't even have medial foot or ankle pain. So this is why we don't use imaging as a way to affirmatively say, hey, like this is a problem that we need to solve because a lot of times when we are treating any kind of tendinopathy, we're not really treating the histological changes, but more of the function of the tendon itself. And so it can be something that your patient may have concerns over. Um, but again, what we want to stress is the ability to treat function, not histological changes that would show up on imaging. All right, so these are kind of the highlights of what we would look for if we were evaluating posterior tibialis tendinopathy. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out at ptsnackspodcast.gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram. 
It's uh, doctor.casey.hinkins. I love hearing from you guys. And if you have topics that you want to go over or um, if there's any way that I can help you, please let me know. If you are also on the market for some CEU credit, maybe your license renewal is coming up or you're studying for a specialty exam, MedBridge is offering listeners like 40% off if you use the promo code PT Snacks Podcast. And you can find all this down in the show notes, but that's a really great deal. And what that includes is basically thousands of courses that you can get CEU credit. You can even check um, to make sure that you can get credit in your state. Um, there's live webinars. You can even study for your specialty exam with a pre-made course they kind of run you through and they even have practice tests that are super helpful just to you know, get used to looking at a computer for a long period of time because that test can be a little brutal. Um, but other than that, you guys have a great rest of your day and until next time. Thank you.